The final tally is Harbaugh's two, Ohio nothing. <laughs> You've been waiting all night for that one. <laughs> it allows me to enter Ann Arbor safely when I return home. Well, it is a good Monday, even though it is not a Monday where we get to reflect on an Ohio State win or a Browns win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough, tough weekend to be a Buckeye fan, to be a Browns fan. But, hey, it could be worse, right? It could be Auburn. Woo-wee. How would you like to lose a football game like Auburn lost to Alabama on Saturday? See, I'm trying to bring you up as we begin a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Thanks for joining us. Took a little Thanksgiving break. Now we're back. Got a lot to talk about. Not much of it is pleasant, unless you're a Bengal fan. 41-10, to 10, sweep of the Steelers. That's fun to contemplate. And it's fun to contemplate the possibility that Ohio State could knock Duke off tomorrow night in a battle between the Blue Devils and the Buckeyes at Value City Arena. Except I've seen Duke play, and I really don't have any earthly idea other than Duke having dead legs from traveling all over the country and just playing Gonzaga how that could possibly happen. But I've seen strange things happen in Value City Arena before. Remember when the moribund, or to the day kids, Buckeyes, knocked off then-unbeaten Illinois in Thad Mata's first season? Hey, hey, this Ohio State team is better. I would also say that this Duke team is better than that Illinois team. But let's get right into it, first of all, with a reminder. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, what a place. They'll give you 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. That is good information to retain at this time of year. When you are looking for a gift for someone who lives a distance away from you or a gift that you don't want to wrap or a gift that you don't have to go pick out or a perfect corporate gift. Do you know an office where no one in the office loves great coffee? I don't. You don't either. That's why HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com is the website you need to go to. They have gift boxes already prepared and they'll send it out and they'll ship it Free on orders of $30 or more, and you can get more of your money when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. You'll get that 15% discount. So do it. Do it today. And be a hero with whomever you send Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee to. Okay, let's get into it. Ohio State, Michigan. It did not go the way I told you it would go. I am sorry. I had the score right. I had the winning team wrong. More important to get the winning team right than to get the score right. But I certainly did not anticipate Michigan being able to do what it did to the Buckeyes on the ground. I know, painful to watch. That's what I expected Ohio State to do to Michigan. I've seen them do it before. We go into the Wayback Machine on a lousy day in Ann Arbor, like what, 2007, I want to say? Beanie Wells did that to Michigan on a just a brutal day. It was a brutal day on Saturday. Didn't stop C.J. Stroud from throwing for a bunch of yards, but it certainly didn't deter Michigan from running the ball at will against the Buckeyes. 42-27 to is the final. Hassan Haskins, five touchdowns. Five! 169 yards rushing. Uh, Michigan just, just, I mean, they just dominated the game. Man. Don't No need to cover it anymore. I mean, it was just annihilation up front. And how many times were you watching a play on Saturday where it would get to, not even the edge, but it handoff wide, get out to tackle, and you go, now that's going to go for like 10 or 20. Or up the middle, 
and the C's would part, and you go, eh, that's going to go for 10 or 20. Gee, I hope we can run him down from behind. Uh, it was a pretty abysmal showing. It looked like, it really looked like the Maryland game, Urban's last year, when they just went up and down the field on Ohio State. And it just shocked me. Every time Ohio State would score and get in position, I'd think, okay, they're going to get a stop here. Or make Michigan throw the ball. They really made Michigan throw the ball. I mean, when you can plow it for five, six, eight yards of carry, and you Cade McNamara threw the ball 19 times, I'd wager to say when your quarterback throws the ball 30 more times than the other team's quarterback, unless you're playing um, Navy, <laughs> you're probably going to be in a lot of trouble. And they were in a lot of trouble Saturday, and it results in Michigan's first win in the series uh, since the Denard Shoelace Robinson days, since what, 2011? The year Jim Tressel was fired and Luke Fickle took over? I mean, wow, how that worm has turned, huh? At this point in time, I mean, I can't say Cincinnati's going to be in the playoff. They should be. This nonsense about Oklahoma State getting in the playoff because they beat Oklahoma. Wow, that's a big accomplishment. Cincinnati should be in the playoff. It should be Georgia, Cincinnati. Can Michigan beat Iowa? If they can, then they're in. Imagine if Iowa beats Michigan... And imagine if Oklahoma State loses to Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. And both those things could happen. Both those things could happen. Cincinnati would be, they might be in as the number two seed. Could Ohio State get back in the picture? No, they're not going to get back in the picture. But at any rate, it's um, it's weird. You know, it's just weird not to think about the playoff. Uh, when Clemson struggled early in the season, that seemed weird. A playoff without Clemson or Ohio State? Well, we got to go a ways if there's ever been a playoff without Clemson or Ohio State, maybe the second one, I'm going to say, 2015, might have been without Clemson and without Ohio State. But look, this team has been flawed all year. I, as you know, probably frustrated some of you when during the Tulsa, Akron, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Penn State, during that run, when I kept telling you, hey, Pump the brakes here. They haven't played anybody any good. I wouldn't go all in on Matt Barnes being the greatest defensive coordinator ever and this team having figured something out. No, they just got to a point in the schedule where their warts were not as evident. And I didn't think Michigan was a very good football team. They lost to Michigan State. But clearly, what I think we've seen here is they got sick and tired of being Ohio State's doormat. And when you beat a team eight years in a row, no matter how much emphasis you put on the rivalry, no matter how many trinkets you put out there for guys to claim another set of gold pants, okay, big deal, I have four. Do I really need five? You know, no matter how many times you do that, it's inevitable that at some point in time, unless the team just has give up in it, and frankly, I kind of thought Michigan did, but if they don't give up, there's going to be a day where you're just going to have your moment and you're going to be able to take them down. And that's what happened. Michigan had their day. Michigan took them down. They earned the victory. It's not fun. But I will say this. It is necessary. If this is going to be a rivalry, occasionally the other team has to win from time to time. It really hasn't been a rivalry since, what, Earl and Bo? It was not that much of a rivalry Coop, Bo, Moeller, Lloyd Carr. It wasn't. Michigan dominated. 
It was definitely not a rivalry. Tress against Lloyd Carr, Rich Rod, Brady Hoke. Now, I'm not ready to say it's a rivalry yet because I think Ohio State's going to be really, really good next year. They're going to have some underclass losses. Maybe Michigan can build on this. Michigan's going to, first of all, have to build on, in the short term, this win over Ohio State. they got to beat Iowa. And then they got to go to the playoff and not get eviscerated. That's the goal in the playoff. Don't get eviscerated. I would assume they'll go in the two or the three if they beat Iowa. Playoff rankings will come out tomorrow night. Bama's probably going to fall, given that lethargic offensive performance against Auburn. If Bama beats Georgia, I would expect Bama will hop up to one and Georgia will go to, you know, three. Michigan will be two. Cincinnati will be four. And we'll get Michigan and Georgia. Now, how would that look? If Michigan gets smoked, well, then I think the long-term benefit of an Ohio State win is probably not as great. They're picking up a recruiter too now. They got a kid from Benedictine today. This is the charge for Harbaugh, and it's unpleasant to watch as an Ohio State fan. It was not inevitable. I know there are people saying, well, law of averages. My buddy Sonny says, law of averages. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no law of averages. There's no law of averages in Rutgers. There's no law of averages in Maryland. There's no seemingly no law of averages with Penn State. You know, Ohio State just owns them, and they own Michigan for a long, long time. So I don't necessarily think law of averages applies here, but I do think that Michigan's resources are such that they have been underachieving for a long time. They obviously made some really good changes on the coaching staff. They obviously have some transformative senior leaders like Aiden Hutchinson who put this game at the top of their list of goals and they used it as motivation. All the little things that Ohio State either did or didn't do, but Michigan believed they did, saying they're going to hang 100 points on them or whatever, all those little things. Did that make the difference in the game? I don't know. That's what guys say after a game like this, so that's what you tend to focus on. But they won 42-27. to 27. Most points they've ever scored in the rivalry, I think. Uh, so it was right there for the Buckeyes, but undone by a scoreless third quarter and 28 Michigan points in the second half. And it was just it was just ground and pound, and that's, that's how it ended. I uh, hope you got out of there safely if you're an Ohio State fan because I guess the snow was terrible. But, um, hey... They'll probably go to the Rose Bowl. Would you want to see another game with Oregon? After the way Ohio State didn't protect C.J. Stroud, do you want to play Oregon with Kayvon Thibodeau? Would you rather go, let's say Bama loses to Georgia, would you rather go play Bama somewhere? See, I think Ohio State against Bama in a bowl game would be an interesting game for Ohio State fans. Bama fans are so accustomed to winning national championships, I'm not sure that would hold a ton of allure for them. But for Ohio State fans, beating Bama, the chance to beat Bama would be exciting. Would Ohio State fans go to Pasadena for a second game with Oregon? I can't imagine they would. Would Oregon fans go to the Rose Bowl? Sure. They haven't been there that often. Would a crowd, big advantage crowd-wise for Oregon make a difference? Eh, probably not. Do I think Ohio State would lose to Oregon a second time? Uh, Tell me this. Are any Ohio State guys sitting the game out because it's not a playoff game and they don't want to mess up their NFL draft chances? Could you see Chris Olave sitting out? Could you see Garrett Wilson sitting out? Could you see 
Munford and some of the linemen sitting out? See, I could. This is something that has not been a problem for the Buckeyes because they're always playing for a championship or seemingly always playing for a championship. Now, not so much. Rose Bowl's a pretty big game, but we've seen, what, Brad Roby sat out the Orange Bowl? Denzel Ward sat out the Cotton Bowl? Would it shock you if guys sat out the Rose Bowl? Wouldn't shock me. So we'll see. By the way, am I wrong on this? Couldn't C.J. Stroud go to the NFL after this year? He's been here three years. I think he could. Maybe he's been here only two. Uh, maybe I'll have to strike that from the podcast. Don't uh, don't, uh, don't hold me to that. But I just was wondering, has C.J. Stroud been here two or three? COVID slowed the world down to the point where it feels like we've been in the COVID morass forever. But I think he redshirted. Did he redshirt and then play sparingly last year? And now this would be year three. So I think he could go. Uh, and... I, that was the one thing I was questioning the other day. Who's the number one pick in the draft? Is it Aiden Hutchinson now? I'm hearing Aiden Hutchinson is a Heisman Trophy winner. Like, he didn't hear his name at all until the Ohio State game. Can you win the Heisman? And not that he's had only one good game. But can you win the Heisman off one good game? I suppose in a year where there's no clear-cut winner, like Bryce Young had it all in front of him Saturday for Alabama, once C.J. Stroud struggled a little bit because of the pressure Michigan put on him. But uh, it's all out there for somebody right now. We'll see who plays well in championship games. Uh, after this uh, this coming weekend, things will sort out because you got to you got to vote for Heisman by Sunday afternoon five o'clock, and we'll see how that one goes. Okay, reminder: December fifteenth is the final day you can change your health insurance as an individual. Don't just let it ride. My friends at auiinfo.com offer you a free service. It's not free just once; it's always free. So if you're looking for individual input on your individual insurance, looking for input on the insurance your company offers employees. Right now is the time to go to auiinfo.com. Ask them the questions about the insurance you have. Is it a good deal? Does it provide the comprehensive benefits you want? If not, what can I get for the money that I'm spending? Here's what I'd like to have. They have all the answers to all those questions. And so, get it done. Don't wait till the 14th. Oh, is it today? Oh, it's the $50. No, don't do that. You've got time, but time dwindles. So, do not let the time go by without getting your insurance questions answered and the, another word of the day, prescient advice that you need to make a great decision on the money that you're spending on your health insurance. AUIinfo.com, A-U-I-Info.com. All right, the Alabama-Auburn game. If you have to lose a game, I would much rather lose it like Ohio State lost it to Michigan than lose it like Auburn lost to Alabama. Auburn lost the game because Auburn's running back on second down with Bama in possession of one timeout, the Auburn running back ran out of bounds with like, I don't know, two minutes and change to go. Then they run the third play. He, they they get tackled in the middle of the line, short of the first down. Timeout Bama. Bama gets the ball back on the two-yard line with a minute 40 to go. They score with 33 seconds to go. Gary Danielson didn't make nearly enough of a big deal about that when it happened. But as Bama got closer and closer and closer to scoring, he started to make a big deal out of it. And that's good analysis because that was absolutely a failure of Auburn. The first down's important, but if you're not positive you're going to get it, inbounds, go down. Keep that clock rolling. It was the right call by the official. Bryce Young throws an over-the-shoulder, like 30-yard touchdown pass to a backup wide receiver 
to get the game to overtime, and then Bama wins it in four overtimes. And somebody, a friend of mine, I won't out him because he doesn't need the Auburn hate, said to me, that's why you're Auburn. Correct. Correct. That is why you're Auburn. Because you lose, rather find a way to lose a game like that. Inexcusable. That one would be a tough one to get over. And the Bama fans will rub that in all year, even if they get dusted by Georgia in the SEC title game. The other big college football news is shocker of shockers. Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. Now, this makes perfect sense in hindsight. I didn't see it coming up front because I thought, oh, he's in a league that can win all the time, and he's got access to great Texas players, and they fit his kind of player. So why would he ever leave? Well, maybe he craves the bright lights of L.A. He certainly understands that at USC you can select players. You don't have to recruit them. You can select them. You got all the quarterbacks in the world you want out of California. I mean, count them. Right now you got C.J. Stroud and you got Bryce Young, both California kids. Um, I'm sure there are more out there. Who's the kid at, uh, at Georgia right now who's hurt? J.T. Daniels. He's a California kid. So there's always somebody at modern day... There's always somebody at some school out there that is phenomenal. And I'm sure Lincoln Riley's looking at that and thinking he'll restore the great USC tradition. I hope he's getting paid like $20 million because with the California tax rates, he's going to give half of it back to Gavin Newsom and the Democrats in California. (laughs) But uh, good luck to Lincoln Riley. Bob Stoops is going to coach Oklahoma in their bowl game. Do I think he'll come back? Probably not. I hear that the... Sooners are actually trying to court Cliff Kingsbury to leave the Arizona Cardinals and go back to Oklahoma. I don't know why anybody who's in the NFL and succeeding in the NFL and has the quarterback he wants in Kyler Murray would go back to coach college football. Recruiting again, no time off ever, no thanks, but maybe Cliff Kingsbury will. I also wonder... Is Oklahoma not aware of Cliff Kingsbury's record at Texas Tech? Like, they, they, I think, fired him or wanted him to leave, and he did leave. So I don't know that that makes sense for Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know that it makes sense for Oklahoma. Matt Campbell makes sense for Oklahoma, although Matt Campbell's offense is not very dynamic. I was thinking the other day, what if Ryan Day left after this year to go to Chicago? There are rumors out there that the Chicago Bears would hire Ryan Day to coach Justin Fields. I think that's way too simple. I think Ryan Day knows he's got a monster team coming back next year. I think he wants to win a national championship here. When he wins a national championship here, and I said when, not if, when he wins one here, that's when I would watch him because he is a superstar. By the way, that reminds me. When Ohio State loses a game, it is not the end of the world. The empire is not crumbling. I was on campus today talking to Chris Holtman about Duke, and every building was still standing. The foundations appear to be just as solid today as they were prior to kickoff on Saturday. And so all you crazy people who are calling the postgame shows on Saturday, and I might add, all you crazy analysts who are talking on the postgame show Saturday, talking about, oh, we lost to Oregon and we lost to Michigan. It's a failure of the program. No, no, it's not a failure of the program. It's a young team getting beat by two good, determined teams. On any given Saturday, some college football teams can be vulnerable against the right kind of competition. And that's all that happened to Ohio State against Oregon and Michigan. Ryan Day is not incapable of winning games in physical fashion. 
Ryan Day does not call too many passes. Ryan Day has not turned Ohio State into Texas Tech. I heard some lunatics say that. So Ryan Day is a tremendous football coach. You want Ryan Day as your coach. You don't want to have to replace him. So dial back your disappointment if it's going to manifest itself in ripping on Ryan Day after a one out of eight years, one out of nine years, in his case, one out of three years, lost to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, if you'd have said, we'll beat Michigan two out of every three years, every Ohio State fan in the world would have signed up for that. Now, that would seem like a failure. I don't think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State one out of every three years, but now that would seem like a failure if that happened. So it's a matter of perspective. Ryan Day's great. He recruits great. He coaches great. He'll have a great team next year. And the world will be restored to order. But guess what? If not, the foundations of Ohio Stadium, Value City Arena, um, University Hall, the William Oxley Thompson Library, and other landmarks at 15th and I will not, I said will not, tumble to the ground. All right. Now we get to the NFL. And Mike Tirico dropped a little snark on people Sunday night after the Browns loss to the Baltimore Ravens. For the week, the final tally is Harbaugh's two, Ohio nothing. <laughs> You've been waiting all night for that one. <laughs> it allows me to enter Ann Arbor safely when I return home. That's a good line from Tirico. It's a little bit, more than a little bit, of a shot at the Browns and the Buckeye fans. But Tirico, as he said, lives in Ann Arbor, so okay, I get it. Browns, look... They lost to the Ravens, and they scored 10 points. I mean, that's... Do I need to comment any further on what a failure that is? They had multiple chances to win the football game late in the football game. They had the ball. They did not get it done. How many times has that happened? It's happened a lot. Is it Baker Mayfield's fault? No. Is Baker Mayfield a big part of it? Yes. So you have to make up your mind. Can Baker Mayfield... Get us where we want to go. Now, I don't see how you could surround a quarterback with any more talent than the Browns have surrounded Mayfield with. And the fact of the matter is, the Browns' record is 6-6. Six and 6-6. Six. Six and six. That's not good enough. Not when the Bengals are 7-4. and four. Not when the Baltimore Ravens have swept you. It's just not good enough. And now the Browns are without Jack Conklin. He's out for the rest of the year. Injured his knee in last night's loss. They... They managed to lose a game in which Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions. Four interceptions. You get four interceptions, you got to win the game. You got to win the game. They didn't they had Kareem Hunt back, could not win the game. Now they take a week off and then they'll come back and they play the Ravens again on a Sunday afternoon, December the 12th in Cleveland at one o'clock. And after that, Raiders at home at Packers, at Steelers, Bengals in Cleveland. So there you go. That's the rest of the Browns' schedule. There are people who go, well, you know, we're 6-6. Six and six. Uh, We could finish 11-6. and six. Really? You're going to go 500 in your first 12 games? You're going to go 5-0 and oh at the end of the season? That I got to see. That I got to see. Baker's banged up. I don't know if he got surgery now, if he could be ready for the start of next season. I've told you how I'd fix the Baker problem. I'd offer him $20 million a year for the next two years. Sign it or don't. We're moving on if you don't. That's what I would do. But the Browns, it's not just Baker Mayfield. When you look at the number of dumb things they do with 
pre-snap penalties and just inattention to detail. I know now that they're 6 and 6, the popular criticism is Kevin Stefanski's over his head. Kevin Stefanski shouldn't be calling his own plays. Kevin Stefanski's too busy. Kevin Stefanski Okay, this is nothing anyone said when the Browns were getting to the playoffs and beating the Steelers in Kevin Stefanski's first year, which was an incredibly challenging year with COVID. Kevin Stefanski is a good coach. I do not blame him as much as I blame a collection of explosive personalities that are unquestionably talented. But when you populate your roster with Dorsey's Angels, okay? Remember Charlie's Angels? The Browns are Dorsey's Angels. Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Dorsey's Angels. Four guys, and there are more, because they got a bunch of them in free agency, who are waiting to tell you how great they are. Waiting to throw their chest out. Tack McKinley, Jadavian Clowney, John Johnson, all these guys, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, all these guys love to put it in the face of the other team when they perform well on a single play. Seemingly forgetting that a football game is an entire collection of plays and that one play does not guarantee you anything in said game. And I just think when you have a bunch of one, two, three, look at me guys, it should not be a shock to you that you get a lot of silly penalties. Now, can you survive a lot of silly penalties? Yeah. If you're super dominant, the Ravens used to get a lot of silly penalties too when they had Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and Ed Reed. And they were a team that played on the edge and sometimes over the edge. That can be done. But your level of dominance has to be a lot greater than the Browns' level of dominance. It has to be a lot more consistent than the Browns' level of dominance is. And so I'm not surprised when I see the Cleveland Browns have 12 men on the field after a timeout. And I'm not surprised they lead the NFL in pre-snap penalties with 34. I'm surprised that people think that they can have all these guys who are always barking and up in your face and yet... When it comes time to be calm and collected and measured and not do something stupid, oh, they'll all be just fine. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I'll take a team of Nick Chubbs over a team of Jarvis Landry's any day and twice on Sunday. But the Browns have made the bed that they're in, and they're going to have to figure out a way to manage the bed that they're in. Quarterback position, mindset of the team, All those kinds of things, because it does not look like this is going to be a playoff year for the Cleveland Browns. That is going to be perceived as a failure. It is a failure, given the talent that they have, and we'll see how they react to it. They have always been quick to tell you how great they are. They have seldom been quick to confirm how great they are. And one year and one playoff win does not a return to prominence make. It's a hard lesson. They are learning it, and we'll see how well they assimilate it. Now, conversely, your Cincinnati Bengals, a team I told you in the preseason, impressed me quite a lot. The Cincinnati Bengals, 41-10 to over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I expected them to win. I did not expect them to win like that. 
They were dominant. Joe Mixon was dominant. Joe Burrow showed exactly what you want your quarterback to do. First possession of the game, sold out to get a touchdown on a running play. It was not a called run. It was a scramble. Right there is why Bengals players will follow Joe Burrow into a burning building over broken glass. He's a leader. They love him. And this is why the Bengals and the Ravens are a big step ahead of the Cleveland Browns right now, projecting to the future because neither one of those franchises, Baltimore or Cincinnati, is uncertain who's going to lead them at quarterback in the future. The Browns might say they're certain of Baker Mayfield. They cannot be certain of Baker Mayfield. So that was a very, very, very impressive win by the Cincinnati Bengals. And now we'll see if they can build on it. Uh, Because in this league... Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. They had their rough patch when they lost back-to-back to to the Jets. Looked terrible against the Browns. Now they've bounced back with a road win against the Ravens, a home win against the Steelers. Let's see if they can do it again Sunday against the Chargers. Chargers got beat Sunday. Chargers may bounce back on Sunday. Justin Herbert's a big-time talent, but that Bengal defense, mm, pretty good Bengal defense. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals get to 8-4. and And then it's going to be pretty hard to keep them out of the playoffs. If that is the case. So that's your sports content today. Oh no, we got Buckeye basketball. Buckeye basketball against Duke. How could I not talk about my beloved basketball Buckeyes? First though, Willis Spangler Starling. Your character and integrity, I hope, are something you prize and treasure. You love a good reputation. A court case is a place where your reputation can be sullied. Not just if you're the defendant. But if you are pressing a legal action and maybe you've been talked into it when you don't really have a case by an unscrupulous attorney, you ever get in a car accident? Oh, you become the most popular guy in town then. You get so much mail, so many people sending you letters. No, they're all attorneys and they all think you got screwed over and they'd all love to represent you. Well, see, you won't get a letter like that from Willis Spangler Starling. The really good attorneys don't have to find you. You find them. Do they do personal injury? Of course, do it very well. Employment law, you get a raw deal at work, workman's comp, all those kinds of things? Yes. But there's a little bit of a needy girlfriend vibe to the attorneys who are always soliciting you in the mail. Will Spangler Starling, they don't have to go look for business. Business finds them. Why does it find them? Because they're good. And word of mouth is something that's important. So they've represented me for several years. They will represent me for all the years that I foresee in my future. They are tremendous. I highly recommend them. Will's estate planning, probate, personal injury, employment law, all the biggies. Willis Spangler Starling online at Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S, Willis Attorneys, the word attorney with an S on the end, WillisAttorneys.com. Their physical offices are located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, just a little bit north of the Target and Home Depot area. Okay, tomorrow night at 9.30, I wish I were going to bed because um, I like getting to bed early in the middle of a week, but I'm not going to be in bed. I'm going to be in Value City Arena, and I'm going to be watching the Duke Blue Devils, number one in the country, and the Ohio State Buckeyes, who split in Florida last week. Beat Seton Hall, lost to Florida, last second shot both times. Michi Johnson made one for the Buckeyes. A Florida kid threw one in from 30, 
And both games Ohio State should have won. Both games Ohio State could have lost. Chris Holtman taking a glass-half-full posture today, saying that, hey, you know, we won two out of three close games we've played. Uh, true, against Akron on a lay-in at the buzzer, or close to the buzzer by Zed Key. Um, Buckeyes are struggling. They just are. They got a, they got injuries. No, not Seth Towns, but Justice Suing's injury has thrown them off. And now Eugene Brown is out again against Duke with a concussion. Duke is loaded. Uh, this Paolo Banchero kid, 6'10", probably the number one pick in the NBA draft. If not, he'll be the number two pick behind Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga. Duke beat Gonzaga the other night. They're coming in number one in the country. Deservedly so. They've got a kid, a transfer from Marquette, Theo John, who doesn't even start for them. <laughs> he would start for Ohio State and be a stud for Ohio State. So Duke is deep. They're nasty on defense. They're motivated to win a national championship for Coach K in his final season. And it's going to be interesting. Now, college basketball is a weird animal. Duke could be tired. Duke could be unfocused. Everything was pointing toward Gonzaga. Do they get back on the horse and play great against Ohio State? Maybe. Maybe not, though. EJ Liddell, no doubt, is looking at this as, hey, ton of NBA scouts are going to be watching me against Paolo Banchero. If I put up 25 against this kid, then... I'm getting drafted, and I'm making some money. EJ seemed today to be really looking forward to this, but with a quiet confidence. So we'll see how it goes. The problem that I see for Ohio State winning this game is that so far, Jamari Walker and Michi Johnson, neither one has shown the ability to handle the kind of pressure that Duke is going to apply on the ball. Nor would I say, is Jimmy Sotos ready for that? Also, when Seton Hall and Florida both get 16 offensive rebounds against you, and guys like Paolo Banchero, Mark Williams, and Theo John are trying to get offensive rebounds, it's not exactly a wonderful scenario to contemplate. So we'll see. Better box out, better hit shots, and better hope that Duke is thinking about playing North Carolina or someone else, because this is one of those games that could get out of hand and get out of hand early. But I've seen Ohio State, bad Ohio State teams play great teams like Kansas close. I've seen bad Ohio State teams beat Indiana when Indiana was number one in the country. Anything is possible. I saw them run Villanova out of there a couple of years ago. Anything is possible in college basketball on any given night, even more so than in football, because college basketball is about, do you make shots? Is your mind on the game? So we'll see. We shall see. Duke, Ohio State, 930 tip. I'll be writing that game for PressProsMagazine.com. Speaking of PressProsMagazine.com, and I am, nobody will provide you, trust me on this, nobody will provide you the coverage of the Ohio State football high school championships this weekend that PressProsMagazine.com will provide you. Not the Dispatch, not the Plain Dealer, not the Blade, not the Canton Repository, unless you want to buy a membership, and even then, our stories will be better, they'll be longer, and we'll have better photos, they'll be color, nobody else will be doing that. We're covering all seven state championship games, so just mark that site, PressProsMagazine.com, P-R-E-S-S-P-R-O-S-Magazine.com, PressProsMagazine.com. And a little sideline, shout out to my friends in the Midwest Athletic Conference, a 10-team league has three teams, three of the 10. In the state championship game. Division 5, Versailles. Division 6, Coldwater. Division 7, Marion Local. Marion Local is undefeated. 
Coldwater has two losses, one to Marion Local. And Versailles has one loss, two Marion Local. So, that's right. The small school, Division 7, Marion Local, beat the team playing for the D6 state title and the team playing for the D5 state title because they're in their same league. So this is why the Mighty Mac is 26-10 and 10 in state championship games in football since 2002. Since 2002. That's, what, 19 years? 18 years? 19 years? 36 championship games. So it's not unusual for the Mac to have more than one team playing for a state championship. It's not unusual for the Mac to win more than one state championship. And yes, there have been years where it's won three. We'll see if they can do that again this weekend. Follow it all at PressProsMagazine.com. All right, so I want to share with you in the faith portion of the podcast today a verse that stuck out at me this morning while I was going through Proverbs. I got a little bit behind in Proverbs over the weekend with all that was going on sports-wise. And so I was in Proverbs chapter 27 today, and then 28, and then 29, because I always read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds to the date of the month. And the, ch- the uh, verse that stuck out at me was Proverbs 27, verse 9. And it reads like this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Perfume and incense brings joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. I just want to talk about the gift, the blessing of a great Christian friendship. And you say, well, all friendship's great. It is. All friendship is great. But a good Christian friendship with somebody, another man if you're a guy, another woman if you're a woman, is something that is truly one of the amazing blessings God can bring into your life. And I am so fortunate to have multiple men who've spoken truth into my life, who have, as I've said this before, who have deeply invested in me without expecting anything in return. You know, there are a lot of things in life that we invest in and we expect a return back. Like we put time into this or that or the other. We put money into this, that or the other. We we want a return. Friendship is something that when it is done perfectly, does not expect or require a return. And so I would just ask you to kind of take a survey of your own friendships and your own um, agenda in those friendships. And do you have people who are invested in you, who enhance your life? The pleasantness of one's, you know, counsel springs from, you know, what we were talking about in Proverbs 27, 9. Their earnest counsel. And earnest counsel means like heartfelt, with your best interest at heart. It may not be the easiest thing to say, from your friend to you, or the easiest thing for you to hear. I remember one time I was uh, in a relationship where someone had betrayed me, and I was uh, questioning the person about what their friends said to them once their friends became aware of how they had betrayed me. And the response I got back was, well, they, they just said, you know, I, I should do whatever I want, whatever it takes to make me happy. Well, that sounds like a pretty noble response, doesn't it? Here's the problem with that response. Happiness depends upon circumstances. Contentment does not. 
Happiness depends on circumstances. Contentment does not. You can be content and be in miserable circumstances. And that is when you reflect the one characteristic that God treasures most, faith. Faith in him. Faith that he will get you through it. See, you thought I was going to say faith that he will make it better. No, no, no. Because if you knew you were going to have it made better, would it take faith to believe that God is there? No, faith is the evidence of things unseen. If all you can see and all you're expecting and all you believe is guaranteed you is a return on your investment, then that's happiness. That's not contentment. And if all that people are doing is helping you in life because they're going to get something out of it, then that's not really earnest counsel. So that's a way to evaluate the friendships you have and the friend you are is to see if your investment in other people is one where you expect a return or is one where you're doing it out of genuine concern for the other person. It's a true blessing to have the Christian male friends that I have. I have many and uh, my life is so much richer because of it. If you don't have that, it's not beyond your ability to have it. It's waiting for you amid the richness of a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Love to hear from you about that. Email the uh, podcast, wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond to um, anyone who has questions about how you go about forging that kind of a relationship with Christ because it is the truly greatest thing you can ever, ever, ever have happen to you. I got an Amazon ad butting in on the end of my podcast because I wanted to play out cool NFL films music. YouTube, cross me up. That was not very earnest counsel from my friends at YouTube. (laughs) There's the music, which means it's time for me to go. Hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you again later this week. After Ohio State takes down Duke on a Justin Orange three-pointer at the buzzer. I'm calling my shot. Hope I'm better at this than I am at predicting the Ohio State-Michigan winner. Have a good day.